Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen we apologize for the technicalities this is Zanus radio show broadcasting live every Sunday at 2 p.m. today we had just some minor challenges with the with the dashboard on our end we apologize for that so hopefully things are back on track it's just the technicalities on our end so uh, this this afternoon we'll be talking to President Inga Kim of the DMV area. She comes with her executive team to discuss what the DMV Association is doing, and we'll be 
listening to the plans, the vision, the direction that the association is taking in the DMV area. Again, we apologize for the mix-up on, on our end. It's just due to circumstances beyond our control. We apologize for that. All right, so President Inga Kim, are you there, madam? Are you President Noah? Yeah, yes, again, I am. My, you? It, um, good, good. A thousand apologies to your team. This is not how we usually roll. It's, you know, <laughs> sometimes uh, things happen, and I realized just five minutes before the show that they actually changed the dial-in number on my end. So, uh, unfortunately, the, the notifications were being sent to my colleague, and then I was trying to call my colleague, and he was not picking up the call. So, I called the, my other colleague, then he says, there's a way you can actually call in directly. So, I'm calling in uh -huh. from the computer. So, again, we apologize for that. So, hopefully, the people in the DMV will forgive us. No worries, no worries. It's 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 technology. Sometimes it's not always on our side. So glad oh, to be good. on today. Good, good. Yeah. So, uh, so ladies and gentlemen, this is Zanus Radio Show. Comes every two p.m. Sunday Eastern Time. Our guest for this afternoon is President Inga Kim from the DMV area. You'll be learning what DMV stands for. So without further ado, President Kim, can you tell us a little bit about what DMV stands for and give us a little bit background about yourself and how you got to be part of the association there in the DMV area? Oh, certainly. Um, hello, everybody. Good afternoon and happy Sunday to everyone. Um, my name is Inga Kim, um, otherwise the government is, it's Mwinga Kim, but uh, most know me as Inga Kim. I live in Maryland, um, so DMV is short for D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. We initially didn't have a huge Zambian demographic in this region, so when our association was originally um, formed, they decided to combine um, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia into one because our borders are sort of blurred. Um, you can pretty much go through three states within a 35, uh, within 35 minutes or so. So that's why we cover all three. I have been the president um, for, this is my second year now um, that I have been the president. I was sort of handpicked, not really elected. Um, we had our former president, um, Dr. Chico uh, Mezio, ended up um, getting a position um, in the Midwest that he couldn't turn down. So um, in efforts to support him, the community did support him, but it meant that he needed to find um, an immediate successor. Um, our current vice president at the time was not in a position to take over, so they sort of fished through the community um, to find, I guess, a, a replacement, an immediate replacement, because he didn't really have um, a lot of time. He had about a month to prepare um, for his departure, but he wanted to ensure that he left the association in good hands. Um, and that's basically how I came um, to take on this position. They asked me, I thought about it really hard, um, but I decided, you know what, it's a call to serve my community. Um, it's something I had never done before. So I rose to the challenge and that's how I got here. Oh, good, good, good. Well said, well put. I see you have uh, Madam Teresa Daka there. Uh, Madam Teresa Daka, 
Welcome to the news radio show. Okay. She, may be, she may be muted, maybe. Yeah, she may be muted. So let's go to Laston Musenge. Laston Musenge uh, is also part of the executive board for the DMV. So Mr. Laston Musenge, give us a little background about yourself and your role in, in the association. Uh, thank you. Um, and I hope you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Yeah, so um, currently I'm on some kind of sabbatical leave. Uh, I'm on my leave of absence from my SADMV. But uh, I've been serving as uh, the vice president in charge of finance and investment. And uh, right now, because of my some some of my other commitments I haven't been participating in the administration of the SADMV uh, as I would like, but I do come in just to consult with the team to make sure that the the team is uh, performing uh, as well as it should. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, so we are glad to have you, sir, and hopefully you are enjoying your your your, your little break. So, President Kim, can you talk a little bit about the structure of your association? Okay. Um, so the structure of our association is pretty similar to um, how the rest of the associations across the U.S. Um, is, but our current structure consists of myself, the president, our senior vice president, Mr. Lula Kombe, uh, the vice president of finance and investments. Currently, um, formerly it was Laston Mosenga, now it's um, Ms. Linda Malomba. Then we also have a vice president of social entertainment and cultural welfare. That's a double team. We have Mr. Patrick Wembia and Ms. Amanda Manda. Uh, the v- vice president of community outreach, um, it's Mr. Richard Chivilu. Richard should be on this call, as well as Ms. Kombe Nampito. The vice president of development and marketing, that position has been vacant for some time, so I also serve as um, that. That's another role that I play. Then we also have the Vice President of Press and Public Relations, which was um, Linda and uh, former uh, member, Mr. Muna Kakoma. He's no longer with the team, but currently it's Ms. Linda that's serving as that. And um, the Acting Secretary General, Linda, also fulfills that duty because we're in a transitional phase to bring in a new team. So most of us are um, serving more than one role at the current moment. So those are our current um, structural positions. Oh, good, good. Yeah, so far I think we may have two, you and Mr. Laston, and I'm waiting for the others, Mr. Chibilu and mm-hmm. Mrs. Daka and Molonda to join. So, oh, Linda uh, says, uh, um, Teresa won't be on actually. She sent a message. with. She's with her patient, so she's not going to be able to join. Oh, good. Oh, okay, okay. Not yes, yet, not yes. yet. So, so it's just Mr. Chibilu and uh, I think uh, uh, Madam Daka. So mm-hmm. in terms of the, because I know most associations, we have these membership fees. And I, uh, from talking to other associations, there is always a challenge for people remitting these contributions. Can you talk a little bit about the, the membership fees, if any, and how much it is? Sure, I'll touch a little bit upon that, but um, Linda and Lawson, feel free to chime in. 
So we started out um, initially, there were no paid up members when we took over. Um, So that was one of our biggest um, tasks that we assigned ourselves to say before the year 2019 was over, we had to make sure that we came up with um, membership fee. And the challenge with that is people want to know exactly why am I paying a fee? Um, So we sort of had to first get the communities um, their trust. We had to gain their trust first that we could lead the association, that we would not misappropriate funds, and sort of basically be transparent in letting them know where the funds that they would be contributing would be um, going to. So the structure, we set it up in sort of three different categories. So we have a family membership fee, maximum um, of family nuclear members. That's $120 annually. Then we have um, individual membership, which is $60. And then we have a student membership with proof of ID, of course, um, for students of 25 years or younger. Theirs is uh, $40 annually. And last year, um, Linda can chime in on that because I don't remember off the top of my head and I don't want to misquote the total members of paid up members. Linda, can you chime in on that for a second, please? Oh, maybe oh. she she may not be she may not I be. I think I um, can chime in. Thank you. Yeah, last year we had twenty two members staying. Oh, I'm okay. pulling it up. I see oh, the okay. data. Okay, Linda Linda sent notes. She said it's thirty two paid up members as of two thousand nineteen. Oh, good, good. So in terms of the demographics there, because uh, I know you encompass three states. The mm-hmm. uh, uh, Wash, I mean, uh, Washington D.C., which is technically a territory, but uh, for these purposes, we'll consider it as a state. And uh, mm-hmm. Maryland and Virginia. So, in terms of numbers, uh, how many? Num- I mean, how many Zambians do you think reside in these areas? Ooh. honestly, I'm not off the top. I would have to get that. The embassy keeps. Um, track of that data because the other reason is um, even though we are an association that covers all three, um, well, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, it's not every Zambian who's comfortable letting joining the association or claiming that they're Zambian, um, if that makes any sense. It's not everyone that wants to participate in Zambian events. It's not everyone that wants to involve themselves or associate themselves with Zambians. So as far as, like, the, the total data, like, the exact number of how many um, we have, I really honestly can't speak on that without really lying. But I know we've grown from – I've been here since I was a teenager. I was maybe 12, 13. I can't remember. But um, in the years that I've been here, I've seen our community really grow to where we're able to have our own events. When, when I first came here as a minor, when I used to go with my mother to events, I don't recall. We would go to the embassy for events. And the amount of Zambians that were in the area, we could fill. And the embassy, the embassy, you know, the one in D.C., it's pretty small. It could hold a um, majority of us because it was less than 100. But that was in the late ninth, um, 1998 or so. Um, it could hold all of us. As of the last time that we were there prior to them moving to the new building, it could not hold the number of Zambians that are in the area. Therefore, they have not really been hosting events anymore at the embassy because it can't hold 
um, a lot of us. So I think I think as far as numbers population wise, we've definitely um, tripled. Um, and I've seen we've seen a huge change and shift as far as like the age group. I want to say um, it's a mix. We don't have as many youth. Um, it's more these people in their kind of the middle age, the 30s, 40s, 50s, um, and some in their 60s. We don't really have a lot of um, senior citizens um, in in our region. I, I don't know if there's any specifics to that. If they move back, I'm not really sure. But that's really what our demographic is. It's kind of that middle age area oh good good yeah because i know like most of these uh, people who decide to stay and be actively engaged in these associations usually it's the younger folks we're trying to see how we can engage especially our elderly folks to be a part of of these groups and be in a position of taking up an active role to be sort of that guide or role model. So I know the challenges mm-hmm. are pretty much in all the associations. We struggle with uh, Zambians saying we don't want to be part of these uh, initiatives and things like that. So in terms of challenges, what would you say, uh, I think your your colleague may tune in on, on this one, uh, what would you say are some of the objections that the most Zambians who don't want to be part of these groups uh, bring forth. What are their objections to being part of the DMV area? I think there's uh, nobody who outrightly say um, that, that they don't want to be part of the AZDMV, but it's mostly to do with the kind of events that we organize. Sometimes some people just don't feel like they want to be say at the Independence Party because there is alcohol and they are Christians and they don't want to be there. And uh, sometimes you might have events on on days where some Christians may not go there. For example, if you're having events on a Saturday, you may find that the Seventh Day Adventists may not want to be there. So as an executive, it's always a challenge to try to find ways and means of making sure that whatever you're organizing is catering to different demographics that we have in the, in the community. And uh, maybe another point that I may add is that related to um, the age groups, uh, some, some, some events typically may not attract young people and other events may attract uh, older people. So again, it's uh, exactly that trying to find what kind of event can we organize to make sure that we've got different age groups coming coming on board. Speaking for SADMV, some of the events that we order, such as uh, such as uh, the picnics, uh, usually at the onset of summer, we have uh, we have picnics and we attract quite a broad range of demo- demographics. We have families coming over. Uh, we sell Zambian food, and that typically brings in so many people, so many families, and uh, just a very well representation in terms of the, the membership that we have. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. I, th- I don't know if we lost uh, uh, Brother Lasto on there. <laughs> in there. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think it dropped off, but um, oh, but okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Zanus Radio Show comes every Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. This afternoon, we're talking to the leadership 
for the DMV area. This is the associations for uh, Zambians in Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And our guest is President Inga Kim with the executive team. So at this point, as we are transitioning to the second segment of our show, uh, we know the big elephant in the room is the COVID-19. And this is the pandemic that has affected uh, almost everybody. If you ask anyone out there, they will tell you they, about COVID-19. So in terms of the pandemic itself, how has the pandemic affected operations for the DMV leadership? And ha do you have any Zambians who have been affected with this uh, condition? Uh, can you speak a little bit about, about that? Okay, I think, well, as a whole, I think all of us have been impacted um, by COVID-19, um, whether it be personally or um, in person, you know, through the community. But as far as, like, members in our community who have been um, impacted by it where they contracted COVID-19, that data, we're not aware of anyone. Um, praise the Lord that, you know, we've heard who has... Um, been affected by it health-wise, but um, I think nationwide, all of us were impacted to where um, some people did lose their jobs. Again, because of the region that we're in, um, we're fortunate enough to where there's so many resources. Um, we had a lot of churches locally who gave away, um, and schools as well, who gave away meals to anyone who may have um, lost their employment due to um, COVID-19. So we, we are fortunate enough to have a lot of centers where um, people were able to go and pick up food again. Um, we did check with our community members to see if anyone um, did lose um, their jobs due to COVID-19, companies being shut down, because everyone works in different industries. There's no, like, one specific one. Majority of Africans work in the health sector, so um, in that regard, most of us are still uh, fortunate to still be gainfully employed. Um, a lot of people did get hours that were cut, so that it, as opposed to working the usual 40-hour um, work week or more, we were more um, structured to where you were working less time. But for the most part, most of us are still employed, and it hasn't really um, impacted us to that capacity compared to what I've been hearing on the calls with the other associations across the U.S. Oh. Yeah, th th thank you, President Kim, for that. Is there anything that uh, Mr. Laston would like to add to that? Okay. Yeah, I think maybe my, uh, uh, Mr. Laston may be still... It could be muted on I think he's name. muted. Yeah, he's on there, but I think he's muted. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Zanus Radio Show, and this is President Kim with the executive team. This is the DMV area, Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Very soon, we'll be opening the phone lines for those who have questions. Make sure your mic is only unmuted when you have to say something because we are trying to uh, mitigate, uh, cut out the, the background noise. So only unmute your mic when you have to say something. Thank you. Uh, the, the next question I have for you, President Kim, is 
Can you talk a little bit about your leadership style? How do you give feedback to your your executive team? So a leadership style in terms of do you try to micromanage the people or do you give sort of the vision for the association and people sort of like are easy to follow in terms of the the constitution or how can you can you speak a little bit about your leadership style yes certainly i would say my leadership style is definitely not micromanagement um i try to personality wise i'm a natural um organizer and i work part well professionally i work in um healthcare as i said um specifically in hospice i'm an office manager for a hospice um, agency here in uh, Maryland. Uh, but I also work part-time coordinating events, planning fashion shows, um, training models, and just event planning in general. So when it comes to events, typically I had to, when I took over this role, I had to remind myself to say, a lot of times when you're a planner, you tend on to take on everything and you want to do things without really um, designating a lot of Role. So that was sort of a challenge for me when I came into this role. I had to constantly remind myself that you're not in an event planning position. This is more of a leadership. This is a shared responsibility between you and your leadership. And I had to remind myself that they're there as a support system, um, and I don't have to do as much on my own. And that's kind of where I, so I sort of have to figure out my leadership team, who's you know, figure out people's different strengths, people's different talents, and also where they work on and kind of build upon that. And also just kind of developing that trust to say when I designate something, especially when events are coming up, because that's when stress is really high um, and you're in a crunch time, I had to remind myself I don't like to be micromanaged. So when I assign tasks, I set up a timeline as well to sort of follow up. Where are we? How are we doing with this one? Because sometimes if you assign something and you don't follow up, it tends to fall through the cracks, and things do happen because these are volunteer positions. So you can't rule with an iron fist because people are giving their time. So I try to be cognizant of the fact that um, these are adults and these are people that are giving their time, and without them, I can't be a leader without a team. So I just had to remind myself to trust them and um know that when I assign something or if we're working on something and they ask what can I do to just trust and say that this is what I'm expecting of you and for the most part a lot of a lot of people um, are responsible and they do what they sign up for a lot of times we sign up we allow people to sign up for tasks rather than assign them because I find that people are more likely to do something if they volunteer rather than it being designated to them Correct. Yes. Yeah. Well put. Well put, President Kim. Now, the question. I mean, the follow-up question is different. Uh, we have seen almost every time the passing away of a friend, a colleague, uh, somebody that mm-hmm. we had in a community, and almost all the associations, uh, news of death is something that I think it's. Uh, it, you, it, if you fast forward, I mean, if you backtrack. Ten years ago, we rarely mm-hmm. had deaths in our community, but now I think it's something that has become sort of common. We're seeing that mm-hmm. uh, from a lot of associations. So can you speak a little bit of what preparations are in play for the DMV area? Do you guys have an insurance 
a group fund that you subscribe to or is there some sort of a, a program or insurance of some sort that you try to encourage our members uh, in the DMV area to join or subscribe to? So yes, um, we don't we don't specifically have one here in the DMV per se, but we do have Mr. Trevor Kakungu, um, who is a resident here in the Baltimore region, who um, is he's with Madison Life Insurance, and we last year we actually had a town hall meeting. We were planning to have one again this year, but unfortunately, due to the most recent events, we had to cancel everything. But um, because even though um, it was something we were trying for the first time, historically our events have been more centered towards um, parties and other celebrations, but we figured with, not that we mind supporting um, GoFundMe's, but it's just kind of gotten to a point where we're using GoFundMe as a life insurance policy, and it shouldn't be like that. I feel like GoFundMe should be only utilized as an emergency fund, um, not the, the process or formula that we rely on for life insurance or medical needs. And again, sometimes when it comes to um, situations of. In terms of like things like maybe cancer, for instance, people can't help, um, you know, when they lose their policies. A lot of times, if you haven't been working, you lose a policy. So we understand. So what we did was we decided as a team we had a town hall meeting where we spoke about life insurance, just educating the public. We did life insurance. It was centered between life insurance and immigration. We had a lawyer come in and speak about um, immigration, how do people apply for um, green cards, for citizenship, um, things of that nature, because we figured if you bring a lawyer in and they speak, these are people who deal with this on a daily basis. We also had Trevor Kakungu come in and also speak specifically about life insurance. And also, um, we had uh, Mesa come in. We had Mr. Mwansa, uh from, um, he's not in our association, but he's with the association in Pennsylvania, whom you had on um, last week. Uh, so Mr. Mwalia Mwansa Mpundu came in and spoke about MEFSA and um, how people can take advantage of that um, as well as an added level of life insurance to whether they take Madison or they sign up with any other life insurance policy. We're just trying to encourage people, look through your employer. What are the benefits that are being offered? Because a lot of times as Africans, we may sign up for maybe health or dental. Majority of the time, we don't use it. So we use that platform to also encourage self-care. While we're buying these life insurance policies, we have to take care of ourselves health and health-wise, including mental health, because a lot of times Africans, we – we work, 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 and work, and rarely do we take a break. When we take a break, it's usually to take care of somebody else and not ourselves. So we try to focus and, and um, you know, more focus on that and um, just encourage people to take advantage of life insurance policy and just educating everybody because there's also mistrust with our people when it comes to insurance in general. Um, it's where is my money going? Why do I need to pay this person? What are my benefits? And just not knowing. So that was the route that we took, and we're hoping to possibly maybe do it again. We may have to do a virtual one this year because people really received that very well, being able to ask questions and get information one-on-one. So that's sort of the route that we took. It's still a work in progress, so it's not perfect, but that's the route that we're taking. Great, great. Well put, well put, President Kim. So what do you like most about your role as the association president? 
Um, being able to give back to the community, to simply put it, I enjoy. I mean, first of all, it, it it's still I'm astounded that they would entrust me <laughs> to lead the association. Um, I also was honored to be the first female president um, for the association in this region. And I wanted to make an impact and also was hoping to be an example to young Zambian girls here and hopefully in Zambia to just see that we too can hold leadership roles. We can make a difference. And just because you may not have done something before doesn't mean it can't be done. As long as you're willing to be taught, you're willing to learn. Um, and my father used to always say, you're, you, you never graduate as a student. You will always be a student, um, a student of life. So at the time, it didn't make sense. Now it makes sense because just when you think you know it all, there's always something that comes up that you realize you don't know it all, and there's still room to learn. So I love just connecting with people. I love um, going to events and getting to meet different Zambians from different tribes. Um, and because I'm a blend of Lamba, Tonga, Lozi, and uh, a little bit of Shona there. But, you know, as, as a person who comes from different tribes, I don't identify myself as just one. So I see myself in a lot of our people in the community, and I just love the, the connection, just connecting with people. I'm a people person. So that's my favorite part about being um, a member of this association and being able to lead my, my, uh, my community. Great. Well put again, President Kim. Now, the follow-up question is, what do you see as your greatest challenge or failures in your role as an association? When you look back, what would you say have been some of the challenges? Uh, the challenges, I want to say, hmm, sort of encouraging and connecting with um majority of the community because in every community you get the demographic that's oh i don't want to mix with my people zambians talk too much you know zambians this um and it's disheartening to hear that because my belief is and my experience has been um i have a diverse um group of family as well as colleagues and my close friends come from different backgrounds and what you learn about when you when you mix in different um, ethnic groups or um, cultures, is that people are people, and even though mm-hmm. we identify ourselves to say Zambians talk too much, you know, wakamba kamba, it, it we tend to put ourselves down, um, not oh, realizing yeah. that humans are humans, um, and I still struggle trying to encourage people to say. No, when we come to these events, it's, it's not about gossiping. It's not about hating on each other. It's building and encouraging and um, community because we're far away from home. And not everyone who's here is fortunate enough to have their entire family. Unlike the West Africans, most of us are here by ourselves. So you build a family through your community, and that's mm-hmm. the only way the connection we have to being yes, at yes. home, like I can go to a Zambian event and eat kapenta without having to explain myself to someone, why are you eating this, you know? So it's just little things like that. I feel like for me that has been my greatest challenge and not taking it personal when people say, no, I don't want to mix with Zambian. So that for me, it has been a challenge and it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's been heartbreaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's not a lot of them, but it's still, you know, even if you have one or two members who feel like that, as a leader, it's like, 
what more can I do to convince you? But it just depends on the experience that they've had, unfortunately. Once they've had that negative experience, for some people it's, it's a hurdle that they can't get past. But I, I always say I keep trying. I don't really give up. I'm not somebody who quits easily. Quitting is not in my, my DNA. So we keep trying. It's still a challenge, and I hope that the next president who takes over, hopefully they come up with a better plan on how to draw them back to us. Um, uh, my leadership has been very positive. We've, um, we've managed to not involve ourselves in little side circles or keeping clicks and stuff. We've been very careful about that, and I've been very vocal about that, making sure that we support the community as a whole evenly, especially with funerals. We don't go as a group. We split up. So we do, if there's a funeral or something like that, we need to support the community. We choose two members, they go. Then the next time, another two members go, so we don't wear ourselves out um, at the you know, at the end. So, yeah, it, there's been some challenges, still some growing pains, but we're working through them. Sure, sure. Good, good. Challenges are for us to to reflect on and see how we need to readjust and position ourselves. You are uh-huh. listening to the news radio show. This is President Inga Kim from the DMV area. Let's take one or two questions uh, from our guest there. Does anyone have a question for President Kim? Your mics are unmuted. Go ahead and ask the president any question you have. Any takers, any questions for President Kim? All right, so if there are no questions, I have a question. My next question is, can you talk about your successes? What are your successes? What are things that you are proud of? uh, Things that I'm proud of are our town hall meeting, I think, was very informative. Um, It was a scary venture, to say the least, because it was something we were trying that had never been tried before. Um, And we didn't know it being a daytime event. Um, You know, there's always a joke, the going joke that I'm still working to try and change amongst um, our people, even because we have a Southern African community here um, in the region where we have all the 13 Southern African countries and we do events together. We update each other on um, community events that are upcoming and what, what's going on in our communities here and in Zambia. So it kind of gives us like an added layer to our Zambian association. And the running joke is that if you want to sell an event or sell alcohol an event, invite Zambia. So <laughs> to me, I said, well, it may be funny, but it's not really a compliment in, in, in a sense. Um, we want to party, but we also want to be a progressive people. So the role that I took on was how do we spin that, you know, while we party, while we celebrate and enjoy. We're jovial, we're easygoing people, but how do we turn that to where people still take us seriously? People still look at us um, as professionals at the same at the same token. So that's why we decided to do the town hall meeting, and we had a lot of meetings about that event, and we were not sure how we were going to draw people to come to the event. And people did show up because we were like, I I made sure there was no alcohol. It had to be within the same way you would hold a regular town hall meeting, like if you're doing a government event. Um, It was at a civic center um, in a area which is very diverse, free parking. So we had to just consider everything in to make sure that the um, participants who were coming in didn't really have to pay anything but the gas. Uh, we had um, a local church, Pastor Lesulo, 
they donated um, all the beverages and foods there without us asking. They just saw that we're putting on an event for the community. They came in and they supported us as a community. So we didn't really have to invest that much financially. I mean, we don't have that much money besides the the independence is our biggest revenue. Um, That's where we get majority of our revenue. And um, so a lot of times, even when we give to funerals, we give to whoever's struggling in the community. That money doesn't come back in. So just kind of think that the community, you have um, churches, you have Amazon, you have Pasta, um, Gosa as well. They, they support us and they carry us. And just seeing that it was encouraging to say they're behind us and they trust and believe that we can do this. So the town hall was, our, for me, I'd say it was our, our biggest success as a team because it was an event that we gave back to the people. We gave them information that will not just last them for that day. It will help them and hopefully their kids and future generations because I feel like we need to feed each other information and um, not be so fearful of stepping out of our comfort zone and just learning something new. There's always, you know, I I think there's always a benefit to learning something. So I I think that would be my greatest um, proud moment, if I must say proud moment. That's my greatest proud moment. Our picnics have been well-received as well. People love them. What we make sure was to open it to other communities. It's not just for Zambians. Um, so I always encourage everyone, please make sure you invite at least two, if not more, of your non-Zambian friends because we're not doing ourselves a justice or service or um, uh, really marketing for Zambian tourism if we don't let other people from other countries come and see what we're about. And this is the best way. Let them taste our food. Let them hear our music. We always make sure when the DJ comes, you're playing Zambian music. We have to showcase ourselves in the best light and um, make it a family event. And a lot of people do come in um, from non-African countries, and we're looking forward to it this year. Unfortunately, we had to cancel. So um, hopefully next year it will be twice as big. Great, great. Well put, President Kim. So for what are your last words for those who are listening to you but are not part of the DMV association. What are your, uh, what's your pitch to those who are listening, but not part of the association? Oh, yes. Um, I would love to say, please join us. Give us a chance. Um, As I'm exiting as president um, and, you know, it's a tough to step down. It's almost like I keep saying it's like a parent who has to go drop off a college student you know that they need, they have to grow. They need their education, but you still kind of want to covet and protect them because you don't know what's out there. Um, I'm feeling the same way about kind of, you know, letting this go to give it to my successor. Um, But I also believe that in order for change to come in, there has to be a change in leadership. Um, Because even though I came in with some great ideas and I thank my team for trusting me, um, with some of the ideas, even though there were there were some of them, you know, they were outlandish, uh, but they, you know, they got on board and did it with me. Um, trust in us, trust in us as a community. We need people to come in, come on board, share your ideas. Um, we're always open to anybody who's willing to volunteer. You don't have to join the um, leadership association. We do take volunteers, and we always need a helping hand. When we do events, we're everything. We're hosts, we're planners, we're um, entertainment, we are your servers, we're everything basically packed in one, um, but we need all hands on deck. This takes a community. We want um, Ubuntu basically. We want Ubuntu, no tribalism, 
um, I'm quick to call people out when I see somebody that's coming in to bring confusion and I'm a believer. I don't believe in the spirit of confusion. I'm a person. If I hear something, I'm coming straight to the source. How can we fix it? What can we do, me as an individual or as leadership? And people have been very open to giving us feedback. They're not afraid to give us feedback. Some of it is tough to swallow, but you can't grow without constructive criticism. So I think um, in my training, you know, with management, that's the biggest piece that I took from it. You can't celebrate your accomplishments so much that you lose sight of the areas of improvement. Because if you do that, you become too cocky and you don't, um, you neglect the areas that you really need to work on. You also neglect the members of your community who are crying out for help. So it's more so just kind of balancing, come in, join us, give us a chance. You don't have to join us. Just come to one of the events. Um, feel free to reach out to me. I am um, on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, it's Inga HZ um, dash Kim. You can also find us on Association of Zambians um, in the DMV. You can find us on Facebook. We do have a group. You just have to like the page. Um, send us a message if you uh, would like us to add us. We also have a WhatsApp group forum that we can also add you in. So there's many ways you can connect with us. You don't have to be there for everything, but we would love, love, love to have you join us. So, And if you want to run for a leadership position, we have vacancy. So feel free to reach out to me as well, um, and I'm more than happy to talk with you and see how you can help us um, serve the community. And thank you so much um, for the time to um, share and celebrate about our community. We're still growing. We still have a lot of improvements to make, but we're excited to see what the future holds for us. That has been President Inga Kim, the Association President for the DMV area, Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of our show. We are transitioning to another show, which is a continuation of last week's show. And if you can just stay put, we will be transitioning. We'll be having the other leaders back on this uh, continuation of the show. But thank you, President Kim, for, for that great uh, conversation. We are certainly blend one or two things about the DMV area, and we look forward to having you uh, on our future show. For now, it's thank you, President Kim, and good luck in all that you do. Thank you so, so much, President Noah. We appreciate this um, this moment to talk, mm -hmm. and we appreciate Zanus as well for everything that you're doing for the Zambian community right. across the U.S. All right, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, hang on. as we I'll be playing a, a short song for you. Most of these old folks out there, you'll be happy with this with this song, this is, I think, a musician that most of you miss and love. So stay tuned. After the song, we'll transition to what does it mean to be a black person in America. Enjoy this short song.
Kaziwanga, Kareva Kuseka, Sabato Tuja, Kakusiri Tamanga, Shao Kawino, Sabato Tuaspecio, Akasibambiri, Telovari Pemanga, Kaziwanga, Naivani Seka, Akutimuka Mepam Koshi, Mulandu Asiki Paija. Kaziwanga, Naivani Seka, Akutimuka Mepam Koshi, Mulandu Apolo Neki. That was the great Pongozi. I think Pongozi died the first half of the 90s. I think somewhere in the early 90s or somewhere towards the late 89. But we may, we still love his music. He's, of course, the one and only a comedian slash musician slash artist. So Pongozi, I'm sure... Uh, most of you out there, you've enjoyed that great track. It brings back mo- a lot of memories to some of us. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have now transitioned to the second segment of our show. This is a show that's going to be focusing on the challenges that Zambians slash black people face in the United States. Of course, the current event has been the killing of George Floyd. And I think yesterday there was another shooting in uh, in Atlanta, and I think in other parts of the world, uh, the parts of the United States, there's another state where there was a hanging, and I think the authorities were saying the gentleman may have committed suicide, but the family are saying they don't think so. So there's just so much going on. Every time when you listen to the news, there's all kinds of negative news is North Korea is about to attack South Korea. The U.S. government is supposed to send troops in in this point part of the world. There's all kinds of negativity just happening across the world. The news, to some extent, is actually very uh, discouraging. When you listen to the news, you get discouraged because there's nothing positive that comes out. So this segment of the show, we are looking at what is it that we as Zambians can do 
in light of what is happening around the world, we had, of course, President Sidik Gondwe Gelo from Oza Association join us last week, and he's going to be on the show again to carry on the conversations from last week. Now, the special focus for this afternoon is to look at what are the specific concrete steps that we can do or we can take. So that's going to be the focus for this segment. We discuss a little bit of some of the challenges that I think I don't have to explain to anyone the challenges that we're facing. Now, we are looking at looking at what is happening. How do we raise our children? So without further ado, let me say hi to uh, one of our elders here. This is uh, Dr. Musanji. Dr. Musanji is one of us. He lives in the great state of Philadelphia. It's actually the city is Philadelphia. The state is Pennsylvania. Welcome to our show, Dr. Msanji. I think Dr. Msanji might be muted. Okay. As we wait for, let me say hi to, this is my former president of Dallas, Texas, this is President Joyce. She was there last week on our show. President Joyce, are you there? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chair. Um, good afternoon, listeners. And uh, Texas is bright and warm, but beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, here in the Midwest, Indianapolis, Indiana, we are sort of sharing the weather that you guys are having out there in in Texas. It's also nice and warm up here. The skies are clear, blue, and no chance of rain. So we are actually taking, we are enjoying this sunshine. So President Joyce, uh, as a continuation from last week, what would you say? we need to focus on as Zambians. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, we, it's difficult, you know, when our children also have lots of peer pressure from friends, from college, from school, and just, you know, adjusting to the lifestyle in the United States. But what I can say is, as parents, all we need to do is educate our children to respect the law. And um, because there are good cops out there, too, and, of course, there are bad cops. But you can't differentiate the two. So all we need to do is simply educate our children what the law requires of them when a police officer stops you, what you're supposed to do, you know, all the rules that are in play. We are not saying um, those that have been killed, they didn't follow the law. It's just unfortunate that, you know, you find a bad cop that, you know, does things the wrong way. But so far... That's what we can do, just educate our children to follow the American law and, uh, you know, adhere to what the officers when they stop you. Because mainly 
is when they stop you when this happens or when they come to knock at your door, even if you know you're right, they'll still force their way because you are black. Thank you. Th- thank you, President Joyce. Now, we, we are going to DMV to hear from President Ki- Kim. We Earlier on, we spoke, and she was telling me that there's something that she's working on in the afternoon. President Kim, can you tell what you are working on and also at the same time respond to your view or your take on the current uh, events in the country. Certainly. Hello, fellow leaders. Um, Happy Sunday. Um, So right now I'm getting ready to leave to head to D.C. Um, We have an African for Black Lives Matter event going on. Today, um, it's basically just focusing on Pan-Africanism to support our fellow African-Americans. In this region, we've been trying to focus on uh, basically bridging the gap and trying to um, put a positive spin on the belief that most of, I don't know about other African-Americans across the U.S., but I'm going to speak of the ones in this area. Since I've been in high school, um, there's been this separation between Africans and African-Americans um, and the disparities and the misbelief that we look down upon African-Americans. We don't consider them to be a part of us. So we also have a festival specific for um, Pan-Africanism, Panifest. In, um, it usually happens in September. I don't think it's going to happen this year. We canceled it. But uh, we wanted to focus on unity. We wanted to show our African-American brothers and sisters that we, we stand with them. We, um, we hear their pain, we hear their cries, and they're not alone in this fight. So as Africans, today we're going to show up wearing our African attire, um, just standing in solidarity with them, educating ourselves, and what more can we do to support them um, in the community um, as fellow blacks? Because when police officers, the crooked ones, when they do stop us, they don't hear our accents first. They see black skin. So even though we amongst ourselves may look at ourselves as we are different, we differ. We're not different. If anything, they want to be like us. They want to have a belonging. They want to have a sense of um, culture and connect to the motherland. And while they are in search of their true identity, it's, I feel like it's our duty to welcome them, to make them feel loved and appreciated that you belong with us. We don't look at you as um, anything other than our brother or our sister. So that is why I've been participating in the protest um, in this area. I went to two um, last weekend as well for Black Lives Matter. And then today we have this event at a a very popular park in D.C. So that's where I'm headed. So I'm going to hop off the call. And to answer your question as far as what we can do, um, to add on to what President Joyce said is um, basically being aware Awareness brings a lot of, um, if we educate ourselves and we operate from a sense of knowledge rather than fear, because a lot of times when you act out of fear, your mind is telling you, if I don't defend myself, this person will hurt me. But we need to also change the way we look at society in general. Not everyone out here is our enemy. But unfortunately, when you leave a bad apple in a basket of good apples, it tarnishes the rest of them. So... We as Zambians, in general, I also feel like we can learn from what is going on here in our own country with the political situation that Zambia is facing. 
um, my hope is that um, our current leadership in Zambia can see that there is positive um, there's positivity that comes out of this protest. It doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't. We don't need to intimidate the youth because these are tomorrow's leaders. So if we see them fired up, we need to just encourage them and say, keep on pushing, keep on moving forward. Zambia is a democratic state, and one day we too will be able to protest peacefully and um, put pressure and require better out of our leaders. So I think that's kind of my take out of um, the protests that are happening here, as well as Zambia, just to sort of see how what we're learning here, how can we take that home to make a change in our government? So that that's basically my take on it. Thank you again, President Kim. Now we're going to switch gears to listen to uh, somebody who is uh, truly an African-American. By that, I mean born and raised here in, I think, in Louisiana. And he recently found out that his DNA traces back to the Namwala people somewhere in northern Zambia, Nakonde area. His name is Warren. So Warren is, uh, is on our line, is on our show. So Warren, what would you say, uh, looking at what you've heard from the brief conversation that we've had. What's your take on what is happening to black people in the United States? Well, thank you for, uh, I, I enjoyed the, the, the show ever since you started speaking to the organization's president in Maryland and so on and so forth. Um, I think that um, what we have to do, and very few people, in my opinion, on the various news outlets, when they have experts, put things into historical context. Now, the response to George Floyd's killing, and of course what happened the other night in uh, Atlanta, the response is a continuation of responses that black people have had uh, by what we call extrajudicial killings by police. Now, when you look at riots, Going back, let's say if we jump into the 1940s, the early 1940s, that's when black people around this time were, pretty, were becoming pretty much urban people. We were leaving the rural areas in the south, and we were going to places like Detroit, Chicago, Los Angeles, etc. And the housing restriction kept black people uh, living in certain places. They call that redlining, where the bankers would literally draw a line, a red line on the maps in the cities, and blacks were to be relegated to those areas. And then you get what is called ghettos. The policing in these areas have always been brutal. And so whenever a black person was killed by the police, and if you study what we call riots today, because there are other aspects of riots not talked about, but when you talk about these riots where there's a reaction to a police killing of a black person, again, it is always because the police kill a black person, you know. And so this is just a continuation of an issue that, that hasn't been resolved. Thank you, Warren, for cheering in. So now we have President uh, Sadiq Gelo Gondwe uh, from the Oza Association. He was with us during the last episode. So, President Sadiq, I know you just joined, so we are continuing the show from last week. What would you say uh, the necessary steps that we need to take as Africans? 
Okay, uh, thank you so much. Um, first, let me find out whether uh, you can hear me because I'm using a Bluetooth. Can yes, you, sir. Can I be yes, heard? Yes, yes. yes. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, before I, 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 I uh, analyze what you just said, uh, let me just give you uh, two instances that happened to me personally when I came into the United States. When I came into uh, a, a, few, a few months, it must have been like, like, like five months, first time ever in the U.S., I was stopped by the police. Um, basically, to what, I, to, to what I can deduce was that because I had long hair and I, and, and, and I, and I didn't look like anything that they the probably had seen. I, was, I, was, I just come from work. It was around uh, 4 a.m. And, uh, and I, I went to a gas station and the police were looking at me. I go that they stopped me, and they, they were asking me questions that that uh, were obvious, you know. And uh, and they told me I was going to jail, uh, and I went to jail. Truthfully, I thought I'd made a mistake. Only years later did I realize that I hadn't done anything. And and uh, years later, which is probably like like ten years later, I've I've been trying to remember the name of that police officer uh, that, that that arrested me. Of course, I was released. Uh, the next day, because they didn't find anything um, really, really there. They just felt that probably I looked like someone that they were looking for. I really don't know, you know. And then um, there was another instance in North Carolina where something like that happened, but I don't want to, to involve so much in there. Um, these, these, are, these are things that, that you only realize how serious they are when they happen to you. When we, when we oh, come yes. to the United yes. States... We used to think we used to think that ah come on African Americans sometimes you know they overdo things they they over exaggerate stuff you know they put all these opportunities and and um, and and they just don't take advantage of those opportunities until you come here and 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 you face or dare to the music that that um, these white police officers uh, uh, have us pass through it's a very 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 serious um, thing against plot against us you know so um, your question was 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 I think the question was what, what where do we go from here concerning this same thing as everyone has been saying let, let, let us continue protesting continue writing authors about about um, systematic racism in, in America it has to end, and and it can never end unless we do certain things. And as you know, sometimes you kind of understand when people riot. They shouldn't riot. They shouldn't be breaking. They shouldn't be setting business on fire. But how can you justify what happened two days ago in Atlanta, where someone is running and they just decide to shoot him, and and they were, and they were kicking him while he was on the floor? How do you justify that? And why wouldn't a kid look at that, feel so angered, and just go burn a building down? So before we judge the riots and all that stuff, we really, really, really have to fight together with the African Americans and other communities, empathize with them because what they do to them is what they do to us, and um, and just continue the fight. One day it will get better, but we have to keep fighting. We have to keep protesting, and and we have to understand. Not condone, but understand why the riot is sometimes take place. But 
Thank, thank you, President Sadiq, for that. Yeah, ladies yes. and gentlemen, you are listening to Zanus Radio Show. We are looking at what do black people do in response to what is happening all around. Now we are going back to. I think I'm going to unmute the all the calls. So make sure if you are not talking, that your line is muted. So if you have something to say, you can unmute your line. So basically the purpose of our show is to have a discussion and see what uh, are some of the steps that we need to take. So anyone who wishes to jump in at any time, feel free. The call, the, your, your, your mics or phone lines will be unmuted. And make sure you mute yourself if you have nothing to say so far. Uh, Brother Noah. Yes, sir. Go Yeah, yeah. I'm going to send you a Twitter feed. Someone sent me this Twitter feed today. And the Twitter feed is a video and in several videos of police officers encountering white suspects where the white suspects are very violent. I mean, very violent. And none of them were killed. The video, one of the videos you'll see is this white guy fights the police officer. In fact, the police officer runs from him. And then the, then the guy goes into the police car. He gets out of the police car. He gets into his car. He drives around. He hits the police car. He gets out and he starts running. He's not killed. Another mm-hmm. is a white guy waving a knife right in front of the police officer. I mean, just casually swinging the mm-hmm. knife. And I want to send you that Twitter feed so you can see the distinction in how black people who are stopped by the police are treated and whites. So even when the whites are violent, where the police might need to shoot them, many times they don't shoot them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen something close to that. I think the challenge, of course, it has to do with white people looking out for their own. So I think mm-hmm. to Warren's point, uh, we have to remember that African Americans or Africans were brought to these lands for the purpose of benefiting the Europeans at the time. So there was never an intention, it was never at any time supposed to be any intention for the white ruling class at the time that black people should be free. So fast forward black people obtained or gained some level of independency. But when you look at everything, even the constitution itself, it refers to a black person as a three-fifth human. And I think in 1859, the U.S. Attorney General at the time was a gentleman called Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah Black. I think he ruled at the time that a black person some of us, that is not a person. So I think there's also the debate that the word citizen does not include a black person. There's some audio, I think if you go to the law.com and then you search citizen, it doesn't include, of course, black people. So that's sort of the challenge that uh, some of these white people or white cops, of course there are good cops out there who do a fantastic job, but the challenge is you have a mixture of bad cops 
mixed in with a good cop. So it becomes very tricky to figure out who are the good cops. But when you see all these dynamics going on, white people get away with all kinds of, I mean, very challenging, threatening situations. I've seen a, a, a white guy a sort of, uh, trying to fight with a cop and the, one of the videos, I think one of them had a knife, but the cops would not kill or shoot the, the person. So they usually take in a lot of I mean, consideration this is a white person, no, we shouldn't be taking aggressive force, but usually when it's a black person, they are very fast to, do, to, to kill. So that's something that I think as black people when we march out there, when we protest, we have to march with a goal in mind. I like one of the solutions that uh, the NBA superstar LeBron James is coming on board to educate our people to vote. Because when you protest, protesting is, of course, the first step. Now that you're protesting, you know these people in, in these high places, what are the next steps that you, you can do? So when we see the NBA getting on board, trying to encourage uh, our people to vote, that's a very necessary step. Because when we can have a lot of our people voting, that will help change the dynamics of uh, leadership, especially in our local, local uh, local, I mean, in different counties and different states. So protesting is the way to go, but we have to think what are the next steps after protesting. What, uh, does anyone wishes to, to come in or add one or two things? Yes. Um, uh, yes. Can I? Okay. Oh. Hello. Hello. Uh, yes. Yeah. This is. Uh, this is. This is Muwanga. Uh, Don Muwanga. I would like to. To add one or one or two things. Yes, uh, go ahead, John. So, uh, Pre President Noor just just uh, touched on uh, on uh, on a very a very important thing in my mind is uh, um, edu education. Uh, so protest. Um, it, protest is just gonna die out. But the education and, and, and the, the ongoing awareness is going to be what's important. And uh, to me, um, we have to uh, make these conversations personal. Um, if, if, if you didn't get a chance to watch um, Dave Chappelle's special that he just came out with, um, I would encourage you to, to watch that. If you watch it, pay attention to how he made his delivery personal. You can have uh, celebrities out there or anybody out there to protest, but if you don't make this conversation personal, um, we are going to be singing the same songs that have been sung for for years, and 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 what I mean by that is, you know, um, this 
this fight should not end on the street. It should continue with the people that we work with. Uh, we work with white people. We work with people from, you know, multiracial uh, group. So we have to make these conversations personal. How does it affect me? Um, how does it affect the next person. Uh, that's how we have to, to to talk about these conversations. And I'll just I'll uh, like like said Dick. I'll just give a couple examples um, that uh, will highlight the differences uh, in how blacks are treated in in, in this country. Um, I am I am my wife is. Is American and she's white. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three examples um, of you know my experience as a black person, um, even in the presence of uh, uh, my my white family. Um, and and these examples are gonna highlight the type of people that we're encountering when we go out there. And the first example is uh, I was in college, and uh, as a college student, you know, would go out and uh, and drink. And there was one night I drank, uh, and I shouldn't have drove home, but I drove home drunk. And on my way home, I got put over by a white cop. And that encounter with a white cop ended very well. This white cop educated me and actually escorted me home because I was just a couple blocks away from home. That was an experience with a white cop. Another experience was I drove, um, I got pulled over. And uh, the first thing the cop said to me is, is this your car? Because I was driving a BMW something that you wouldn't expect uh, a cop to ask uh, a white driver. He asked me that because he had um, he, he had a bias or he assumed this gentleman with dreadlocks cannot afford this car. So that encounter ended it was um, a simple traffic violation. It ended with me being put out of my car and my car being set. At the time, I, did, I was not um, aware or educated on police procedure that they could not search my car, but I concerted. So that's an ex- uh, example two. 
Example three, I was in a car with my wife, who is white. And my wife was driving, and we are driving. We were, I don't know what we were going to, what, what, where we were going, but we were a little bit late, and she was speeding. And I even told my wife, I said, you need to slow down. This is a residential area. Uh, you're going too fast. And shortly after, we got put over. And, you know, we're joking in the car. I said, I told you. Um, and the cop comes, and uh, he told her, you know, you know why I pulled you over and all that procedural stuff. He said, I know I was, I was going 10 over. I understand. And he took her credentials. And before he went to his car, he turned around and asked for my credentials. And keep in mind, I was just sitting there and, you know, I, I didn't even want to have a part of this interaction. And my wife stopped him and said, you pulled me over. There's no need for you to ask for his ID. You pulled me over for speeding. That's the reason why why we're here, and that's that's all you're gonna you're gonna address with us here. You're not gonna get his ID. White lady, white police officer. That conversation ended there. He went to his car and he did whatever he has to do, and she walked away with it, with a warning. So, I. I share, I, I share these examples. The first example I, I showed you is an officer who, who worked with me. Even when I could, I should have been, I should have been arrested at that time. He was a white police officer. The other two encounters. Also, white police officers, incidences that would have ended bad. So, um, for me, what what do I what do I take from all these incidences? These these. Um, Personally, I just have to be um, aware, be educated on, on what's going on, and just just do what I have to do um, because you are going to run into the bad apples that we're talking about. But the change that we are talking about when we protest and we're going out there, that personal connection uh, to incidences. Um, and that, that's the education that we need to, to take into schools, the education that we need to take into the workplace. If I'm going to talk about George, George Floyd's death, 
with people at work, I am not going to talk about uh, uh, the history of racism with my white counterpart. I'm oh. going to talk about how how that 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 incident personally affects me. Okay, okay. All right. So uh, that was President Don uh, Mubanga, president of the association in Wisconsin. So, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Zanus Radio Show. Comes every Sunday at 2 p.m. We are discussing what do we do as black people in response to what is happening around. So at this time, we'll go ahead and play a little clip that I think everyone is familiar with, and then we'll we'll discuss further. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of that character. I have a dream Martin Luther King speaking over 50 years ago. Where is the dream? What has happened to the dream? Can someone chip in on that one? Uh, this, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, well, this is Chippo um, from Royal Sports, Pennsylvania. Uh, I just wanted to respond, uh, guessing my own thoughts on how, what, what do we do as Africans, as Zambians living in the U.S. at this time in this season. And, um, of course, I'm a mother of four. I have two daughters and I have two sons. And... Um, because of everything that's happening, my children are uh, in the middle of it. Um, right after the death of um, uh, Floyd, uh, my daughter uh, arranged a, 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 um, a Zoom call for all of us as a family to sit down and, uh, and talk about what was going on and to have prayer. Because there's definitely a sense of fear and they're looking for direction. And they're looking for assurances for for the people that are around them, their doubts, parents, and also, of course, looking for what is going to be the answer, what is the way forward. Uh, what I can say is our response as Zambians in, in the U.S. at this time is we have to do our civic duty. If you are able to vote, yes, you need to definitely get out and vote. And when you vote, you're not just voting for the office of the president, but you need to make a difference in every office that you can work for. And you need to be knowledgeable. Well, who is running your city? Who is your mayor? Who is a representative in every office? And make sure that those people that are in office uh, have the, um, the, the, the policies or the philosophies that you agree with. 
that's how you we we're going to have to make a difference. And of course, this year we'll be voting for the president. It is even more important that you will get out and vote. If you cannot vote because you're not a citizen, you know someone who can vote, and you need to encourage everyone to get out and vote. If you have to go talk to your neighbors, do do your duty and talk to your neighbors, and drive them to vote in a way that is 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 visually beneficial to all races in this country, especially the blacks. Um, and in terms of education, of course we educate our children. We raise our children to obey the law, but in this day, they can be shot, not because they did anything wrong, but because of the color of their skin. I, needed, I, I, ha, I had to keep my son from driving a vehicle just because I didn't want attention, um, any attention to be brought to him because if he's driving into the city in a car that is deemed a luxury vehicle, though he can be stopped for any reason. And, and, and a simple incident can turn into something else. So these are the fears that we all have. So I say you need to do your civic duties. Go out and protest. My children are out there protesting. I haven't been out there because I'm deemed not a healthy person to, you know, uh, because of the COVID. So I can't go out and my kids won't let me go out. But they've been out there protesting in Los Angeles on the East Coast. And whatever occasion you can do, you need to go out and, you know, Get your voice out and please do your duty to vote. Because since we have the president that is in office now, is, this is when the escalation of the racial differences and the racial uh, uh, wars that are came to light. Because they, everyone, the white people that have that have prejudices towards the blacks, they felt they feel that they have the green light to go out and do whatever. They want. They can speak out and say anything as long as it's against the black people. But the blacks, you don't have the same right to go out and say anything against the white. So I say you need to change starting from the head. We need to cut off the head and bring in a leadership that is that, that, that can bring justice to this country and look out for everyone that lives in this land. So that is, that is my contribution is that we have to all rise up and do what we can. Thank you. Thank you, Chipo. And now let's go ahead, the next person. Yes. Um, yeah, my name is Steve. I uh, just wanted to add a few points. Um, number one, I think it's vital to know what it is that you want, right? And I think that's one of the things, that's one of the first mm-hmm. things you do when you're facing a problem, is to know what you want. And I think collectively, we all don't want the same things personally, but collectively there should be a few things that we all want. There should be a few things that we want in our quality of life, education, what we want for our children, and those things need to be talked about and highlighted. And once you do that, you say, okay, this is, this is the reality that we want to bring into being. After that, you devise a strategy. Um, 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 the last person that spoke talked about voting. Voting is just part. It's just one of the tactics, just part of the plan, part of the strategy that you should have. If you're voting and you don't, as a group and you don't have a plan and you don't have a strategy, then it's like a shot in the dark. 
it's not really going to get you where you want to go because you don't really know where it is you want to go, right? You oh, have yeah. to put that together. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing you need to, we need to do is there needs to be meaning so that we can have at least a high-level understanding of exactly what it is that we want. You know, where are we trying to go as a people? I mean, and then once we can figure that out, then we can develop a strategy to say, okay, this is how we think we're going to get there. These are the strategies that we're going to use. And then aside from the strategy, now you can put together a plan to get there. Like I said, voting is just a small part of a very small part of the strategy. Um, and voting is strategic, right? It's not something you just go do. It's strategic if you're going to want, if you want to get maximum results. But then again, you have to know exactly what you want. So that would be my contribution is that we should all start thinking about what is the future that we want? What What is it? What is this utopia? What, what, what is it that we want, not only in the United States, in Africa, in other places where we are? What is it that we want? And let's get together and start strategizing how we're going to get there. Then we can put the plans together to get there and, the, and build in the accountability. And now we're, out, now we're going somewhere. Now we have somewhere. Now we know where we're going. We know what we're doing. We know which direction we're heading. But right now, it's, it's, it seems to be based on, it's very reactionary. Something happens, and ah, then we blow up. This has been happening. This happened under Obama more than it happened under the current administration, right? And we still didn't have an answer for it. Under that administration, it was happening every other week. It wasn't his fault, but that just goes to show you that you should have a plan, because this voting is a shot, is shot in the dark without a plan. Great, great. Oh yes, oh yes, yeah. yeah. Th- th- thank you, Steve, for that great comment. Yes, you. Uh, we have to have a plan. Yes, that is exactly what we as black people have to uh, come up with. Because when you work for any any company, a company has a mission and has a vision. So all the employees that work for a company have to subscribe to the what it may be called a shared vision you have to buy into what the company stands for so as black people when you look at what is being put out there of course you don't want to be caught up in the reactionary mode of like protesting you have to always be proactive voting of course yes it's one piece of the pie but i agree there has to be a strategy and a plan and how that is going to be accomplished, who is going to do what, when they are going to do what, how they are going to do it, and things like that. So thank you for that comment. Let's go to the next comment. Go ahead. I, I want to say something. This is a Warren from New Orleans. Uh, yes, Warren. We, okay, we hear the word structural and systemic racism. And, of course, we see a lot of white uh, people reject that term structure and systemic racism. But one perfect example of structural slash systemic racism is even when you put a black person at the head of the organized structure, it still does what it was designed to do as it relates to black people. So for example, if you have a black president, those structures in that are interlocked within the system still do what it's designed to do. Black police chiefs, black mayors, these structures still 
at the end point, the blacks have the negative outcome from that structure. That's a perfect example, in my opinion, of systemic and structural racism. Number two, there was a Howard University professor. He's dead now. His name was Dr. Chancellor Williams. He taught at Howard University, and he wrote a book, a masterpiece in the early 70s that still sold widely. It's called The Destruction of Black Civilization, Great Issues of a Race from 4500 B.C. to 2000 A.D. And in that book, he not only talks about the glorious African civilizations, he analyzed where did these African states go wrong. But most importantly, at the end of his book, which no one has done, he gives a plan that the African race could follow. Not the plan, but a plan. And it's pretty comprehensive in that book, The Destruction of Black Civilization. But I'm pretty, I have a positive outlook. Uh, black people around the world are more sophisticated because of social media and information. We know more about each other. More African Americans have been traveling to Africa. More Africans on the continent are aware of these things. And I think that uh, I think the future looks looks positive for us. And so we just have to always understand that we have to see a positive outlook in the future because we have children, we have grandchildren, and they must know that the world is their world also. And so I foresee more African-Americans traveling to Africa and all the African countries interacting with people in a positive way. And that's been going on. Thank you, Warren, for that comment. Yes. So The Destruction of African Civilization is a great book. I have read the book myself. Chancellor William is one of our icons in the struggle. So the, the book which was done by Chancellor Williams was actually a set of case studies. And once you go through the first section of the book is the case of state uh, case studies, what happened to black people? How do we get to where we are? And then the second part of the book is now that we have identified the problem, what are the next steps that we need to do? So Chancellor Williams documents that in the book. That This is one of the books that I highly, highly recommend for our people because they work the heavy lifting was done by Chancellor Williams, and it's something that I think most of our people are not aware of. So in terms of documenting the what we need to do, it's something that is out there. And ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Zanus Radio Show. This is a show that comes every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time to focus on the challenges that we are facing in the United States. Lately, there has been a lot of upro- uprising uh, in connection to the killings of uh, George Floyd. And then I think yesterday or the uh, day before, there was another killing somewhere in Georgia where I think a gentleman was found hanging from, the, from a tree. So hanging from a tree for some of the Zambians out there, it's, it's something that I think was very common in the olden days, especially when most of our people were, were under subjects, uh, they were under 
I was going to use a big word, but we'll use a simple word, when they were under the my, the white man rule, so or sla- slavery. So hanging people by the tree, it's a symbol of something that uh, doesn't work. With, I mean, uh, it reminds a lot of our people, I think, of those days in the past. So I think the police are still doing their investigations. So... Uh, it's something that is happening right now. It's, uh, we don't really have a, a full details of exactly what happened, but I just wanted to point out that there are challenges that our people are facing uh, on a daily basis. Now, with that said, I want to encourage our listeners to um, read a book called The Birth Death. This book was done in 1987 by a Jewish gentleman, it points out exactly to what is happening around the the United States. So in the book, Birth, Death, it highlights three things that the white population is very, it's not progressing compared to most of the other uh, groups. So there has to be an intentional plan to mitigate that. So when you see systematic racism, that explained, it's sort of uh, highlighted in the book, Birth, Death. So I encourage you to look out for that book and just read for yourself. I don't want to tell you what the book says, but just find time to read. And you see most of what is happening, it's something that was outlined some time back. So in other words, you need to have a plan. Mm-hmm. What we are seeing for the most part is plans mm-hmm. being put mm-hmm. in effect, plans being carried out, and everything sort of uh, progressing according to people's expectation and people's uh, needs and wants. So ladies, as we are coming to the end of our show i just wanted to thank each and everyone for taking time to be on this show again i apologize at the start of the show we had initially planned to have a a 90 minute show one hour 30 minutes but due to some challenges with the uh, we are not able to have a a a, a, a 90 minute show I think I've I've noticed a lot of people still want to uh, discuss this issue. So we are likely to have another continuation next week. I know some people may not have had a chance to uh, chip in and express what's on their mind. That is well noted. Just know that the show will continue next week. I just want to thank each and everyone for being on this show for expressing your comments and what has been bothering you. We've learned that black people, according to Dave Chappelle, you have to personalize these uh, challenges that you are facing. But at the end of the day, black people need to organize, have a planned action. What is it that we need to do? I encourage also our people to ensure that you are aware of who is your local representative, if I was to ask people who are listening right now, who is your representative in your area? Most of you, you don't know. Who is your senator? Who is your congressman? So those, because they are just different districts. 
that we as a people, we have to do a little bit of education and to inform our people how we need to to sort of better position ourselves in light of what is happening. For now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to our show. We'll regroup next week with a continuation of what does it mean to be black in America. Thank you for joining us. It's good night and goodbye for those who are listening uh, on the other side of the world. And good afternoon for those in the Midwest and Good morning to uh, those listening to the other side of the world. Thank you. Till next week we meet again. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves.